So Mike Elko takes the Texas A&M job, and that means the Duke Blue Devils now have an open vacancy for their next head coach. How likely is it that they take Manny Diaz? We discuss on the newest edition of Locked On Nittany Lions. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And that is right. You are locked on Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Seiko, bringing you all things Penn State Nittany Lions coverage. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Before we get into any of it, Help out the channel. Subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lions on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Let me know in the comments what you think about Manny Diaz. Is he going to stay with Penn State this offseason? Is he going to go? I want to know your thoughts and leave a like on this episode. I appreciate all the support uh, from the current everydayers and those who are going to become new everydayers, a part of the show. Duke opens up. Duke uh, has a head coaching vacancy for the football team now as Mike Elko was there for two seasons, and now he's back in Texas A&M. I do find that interesting that he was the understudy to Jimbo Fisher. They fire Jimbo Fisher, and now they go get the member of his staff who was second to him, but that's besides the point. But Elko leaves, and now the the flames are starting that, well, Manny Diaz could ultimately be a blue a Duke Blue Devil. And no, there's not a not a pun there intentionally. Also going to talk about the offensive coordinator spot for Penn State as a new name has emerged for the Nittany Lions and somebody who seems pretty interesting here and how likely could Penn State actually hire this candidate. But we get, begin with Manny Diaz because he's already in Happy Valley. And this, in my opinion... It is more important to retain Manny Diaz than it is to find the perfect offensive coordinator because instead of going from filling just one coordinator spot, you're now going to have to fill two. And James Franklin has said this himself, that, well, Penn State was in a position of success, at least they were going into 2023, because both coordinators were return returning. It is very difficult to adapt to systems especially with the transfer portal, the current players you have, it is nice to have a little bit of consistency. So could Manny Diaz actually leave Penn State to go coach at Duke? Well, Mike Elko just left for Texas A&M. This is simply speculation. There isn't an official report that, oh, Duke has contacted Manny Diaz. They plan to bring him in for an interview. This is simply speculation and analysis from the athletics, Fox's Bruce Feldman, but he makes a good point. However, nothing is confirmed as of yet. But putting together a list of appropriate candidates with Elko going back to Texas A&M, Manny Diaz does make a lot of sense. It is definitely possible, and I'm going to explain why. Now, before that, I felt completely reassured when Mississippi State closed up because Manny Diaz had coached at Mississippi State. That was an SEC job. That one made a lot of sense to me. And I'm like, okay, one of the biggest dominoes is off the table. However, this one, while it's not the size of Mississippi State, it's certainly one to seriously consider here. And you have to consider that because it, at any given moment, any job can open up because this is we are officially in the coaching carousel season. So anyone can get fired. Anybody can get hired. And then programs have to replace based on what happens. So Mike Elko was that domino to go to Texas A&M. 
they took a coach from a smaller program and now Duke has to, and now I'm not implying that Penn state's a smaller program than Duke, but it's this, okay, do you promote a coordinator? Do you go poach a different head coach from another one, like a Jamie Chadwell at Liberty, right? All these things are possibilities. And Manny Diaz is going to be linked to these types of jobs for the foreseeable future. I have to admit, Manny Diaz makes a lot of sense here to Duke, and, and I've got a long list of reasons. I'm going to condense them here. Diaz is familiar with North Carolina. I'll start that. Familiarity is important. He coached at NC State, North Carolina State, with the Wolfpack from 2000 to 2005 as a defensive assistant. So he doesn't necessarily have any ties to Duke. However, he has the he spent time in North Carolina, so he understands. Now, the recruiting landscape is obviously a lot different than what it was in the very early 2000s compared to 2023 going into 2024. But when you think about it, spending five years, half a decade with one program uh, and where you started your college football coaching career, NC State, it kind of makes sense if Duke, being in Durham, North Carolina, uh, would make sense here for, for Manny Diaz. And the second reason is Duke is a respectable football program. I get it. Basketball school, totally understand the legacy of Mike Krzyzewski. But Duke has shown that it can win with a capable head football coach in Mike Elko. You just need, you need the right guy, the right system. The ACC, competitive, power five, and they just expanded, right? They just added new schools. So not exactly top tier but a solid spot. And remember, Manny Diaz was the head coach at Miami of Florida and ACC school. So that was, I already teased it, but Duke, my third reason is Duke uh, can succeed with the right coach. So there isn't this, I want to bring up Matt Rule's comments, Nebraska head coach, a former Penn State assistant coach, coach in the NFL, right? Played at Penn State. Matt Rule said that he is all for his coordinators, his assistant coaches taking on certain jobs. He wants them to benefit, to, to level up, and go on to the next step in their careers. However, go to the right program where you're going to get the right support. Duke, again, has shown that it can succeed. You don't want to go to a place where you have no chance of success, and it hurts your resume. This could really help Manny Diaz in this case if he wants to, again, move up, because I can't imagine that he's going to stay in the ACC for the next decade. I can only think that he either wants to become a Big Ten head coach or an SEC head coach, because remember, the bar was set with Miami of Florida. Miami of Florida, in terms of a program, I'm not talking about in, in terms of wins and losses, but that is a program where you have a lot of the resources, a lot of the media attention, a place to go get as much talent and bring in an interest talent as much as you can. Duke, compared to that, is slightly a step backwards. However, we know that Manny Diaz isn't going to take something like Louisiana Tech, for example, okay? A, a group five, he's not going to take any group five jobs. So Duke is a respectable football program in that regard, even though basketball takes precedence. Another reason, Duke can outbid Penn State. And, and it, it has nothing to do with the resources. Penn State, it, how much do you want to pay your coordinators in comparison to what a head coach would make? Well, let's look at the numbers. This is the evidence, right? I don't know what Manny Diaz's salary is. So I'm going to have to give an estimate based on what we do know. But I imagine it's somewhere in the neighborhood of $2 million, maybe $2.5 million. You could speculate $3 million, but I feel like that would be, now that's something that maybe they're targeting this time around. But I imagine that it's somewhere in the neighborhood of $2 million. That's a lot of money. I know it is. 
Brent Pry's salary, from what we know before he took the Virginia Tech job, was reported at $1.8 million before he left. Now, what did Mike Elko make at Duke? He made $3.5 million. Well, do some basic math. $3.5 million is more than 2 to $2.5 million in the case of what we expect, we anticipate what Manny Diaz is making. A million bucks is a million bucks, right? That is, it's like, okay, well, he's going from two to three. That can't be no. You're going from one million to another million, right? So that is a lot of change. I I could be wrong about this as far as what Manny Diaz makes. Maybe he does make three to three and a half million because as we know, Pat Kraft and what James Franklin has led us to believe with his nuances in the press conferences is that the, the staff and everybody is aligned, meaning that, not everyone, everyone's not afraid to break out the checkbooks anymore. So I, I have a hunch that Pat Kraft might pay a little better than Sandy Barber based on the Mike Rose hiring, the Micah Shrewsbury contract offer, and everything else, and what James Franklin has said. So Duke, because it's a head coaching spot compared to a defensive coordinator spot, Duke might realize that they might need to end this with the conference expanding, media rights changing, there's more money available. Instead of paying a Mike Elko three and a half million, they might say, hey, Manny Diaz, we could pay you four, maybe four and a half million dollars. And that would, Duke can get into a bidding war with Penn State. Let's just put it that way, regardless of what the number is. And Duke could ultimately win just because of the prestige of the head coaching spot compared to a coordinator. It's right back in the ACC. Already mentioned that and goes along with the theme of familiarity. Manny Diaz knows what it takes to coach in the ACC. He knows the competition. He knows the recruiting. He knows the landscape. Sure, it's expanding. You're getting other schools. But that's not to say that, well, Manny Manny Diaz doesn't know that. (laughs) Manny Diaz doesn't understand uh, how the conference realignment changes everything. He's coached at Miami. He just gets all of it. There isn't going to be these unchartered waters for Diaz if he decides to take the Duke head coaching job. And this is also a second chance to prove himself, right? I think... Bottom line is, from my point of view, he was unjustly run out of Miami. I, I don't, the way that things that, that happened, the way that things went down, and we'll never know the full story, but it was wrong, regardless of how you want to look at it. It wasn't, it, he wasn't justly, duly fired. It, it was almost taken away from him. Half the board wanted to keep him. Half the board wanted, uh, wanted him to go and never return. It was just weird circumstances. So this... Manny Diaz wants to be a head coach again. This is his opportunity to prove himself at a respectable spot, even though it might be slightly beneath Miami and that bar. The final reason I have here why Duke makes sense if Manny Diaz is going to be interested is Duke does like defensive-minded coaches. We've seen that they have a clear-cut identity. You bring in Mike Elko, who has the defensive background, defensive resume, coached at Texas A&M in the SEC as the defensive coordinator under Jimbo Fisher. Manny Diaz does make sense in that regard. There's smoke here. There is. Even though there aren't official reports, all Manny Diaz is down in Durham right now as we speak, or he's down uh, at Duke, he's down at Durham right now as we speak, and he's meeting with the Duke executives, and he's negotiating a contract offer. It's not like that at all. But his name being linked with the Blue Devils, there's smoke here, and I, I certainly think it could lead to fire. Now, that one, that pun was intentional since I realized what I said in, in the beginning of the episode, right? How can Penn State counter if Duke is serious about this and believes that Manny Diaz is a legitimate head coaching candidate for them? How can Penn State counter with a raise like that needs to be said? 
Manny Diaz, if we're assuming that he makes two to two and a half million with the Big Ten contract and the media rights, Penn State now gets a hundred million dollars from that media rights deal. I mean to tell me there's not a little bit of money in there, five, maybe a five hundred grand, a million dollars to keep Manny Diaz around for maybe one or two more seasons here. A, a, ray, a raise is how you keep you outbid Duke. You do that. If if Duke's gonna offer three and a half million to Manny Diaz, offer the same and then sell him on the fact of consistency that you've been here. You don't have to uproot your family again and take them to a new area. You're going into your third year, right? This you you found a niche here with Penn State. But sell Diaz on the fact that a playoff run, you don't have to settle if. It depends on how Manny Diaz views this. If he really wants to get back into head coaching and believes that a Power 5 job is good enough no matter what the Power 5 job is, then fine. I understand that reasoning. But what about other spots in the Big Ten? Because we've seen what resources that Michigan State will commit to a head coach, whether it's Mel Tucker, whether it's Jonathan Smith from Oregon State, right? Sell Diaz on the fact that you could have an embarrassment of riches, an embarrassment of options if you stay and go through a potential college football playoff run. I mean, Manny Diaz has shown as an individual what he can do with the defense, but then how about turning a program into a tenant from a 10 and two team to now taking them to the expanded college football playoff and ultimately, hopefully winning a game, making it to the semifinal, and then who knows what else? Because Penn State right now, its roster is set up for success in 2024. Does Manny Diaz think that taking the risk there, getting a raise from Penn State, can help him land an even bigger job, a better program that's going to be even more committed to football success in the future if he bides his time. Duke is not all in on football. I think you got to make that apparent. It's a basketball school first. Yes, they they don't ignore football, but you know what's what with the Blue Devils. You really do. Is this Manny Diaz's best opportunity that he's receiving to succeed? Personally, I don't think so. But I don't know how he views the situation as being a head coach versus being not one. Technically, no. I don't think I don't think that he has the best opportunity here to succeed just because Duke isn't all in on football. They care about it, but they seem a little more interested in basketball. That's just my opinion. So in short, Manny Diaz to Duke is a legitimate possibility for all of those reasons. Let me know in the comments if you think so as well or if there are any other reasons that you are led to believe that he'll go to Duke or he'll stay at Penn State. Now, speaking of coordinator spots, Penn State uh, looks to be interested in another candidate. A new candidate has emerged for Penn State at the offensive coordinator spot, and it's not it's a not-so-obvious name. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Let's hear from one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is Game Time. you got to download the Game Time app because buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets to everything. Sports, music, theater, comedy, you name it. All of it near you. You choose game time. Now, I've used the game time app before. My favorite part about the experience is when you are searching for those last minute tickets, how about this? You get last second deals on those last second tickets. So the flash deals that already take discounts on going to an event that you planned last second. You can also buy tickets in advance as well. It doesn't have, but that's a feature, right? that you get a deal on those last-second tickets if you find an event at the last moment to go to. It's easy to find and buy tickets to events in your area. Lowest price guaranteed, event cancellation protection, 
my favorite feature. You get to see where you'd hypothetically be sitting. So there's no second guessing when you get to the venue that, oh, these aren't my seats or this wasn't what I picked out. It is because of that feature on game time. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use promo code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account. Redeem code locked on college for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And the Locked On Podcast Network is proud of this one. Locked On has launched the first ever national 24 7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you, covering all the sports top stories 24 7 with the local experts only Locked On can provide, plus the national shows covering every single league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel. That is Locked On Sports Today. How many of you heard? How many have of you have heard of the name Brennan Marion? Well, Penn State's compiling its list of coordinators, and now Brennan Marion has emerged as a possibility and something that and someone that Penn State has inquired about. Brennan Marion's the current offensive coordinator at UNLV. They just made the Mountain West Championship game and finished nine and three in the regular season. They'll go to a bowl game. And Marion, already as a young football coach at the age of 36, has a very intriguing background. He's the architect of a new and up-and-coming offense that has been in the works, but he's slowly perfected and crafted over time here. The go-go offense, that is a new one, but he is the architect, the mastermind behind it in Penn State has inquired about him. So unlike the Manny Diaz situation here, where Manny Diaz to Duke are simply rumors and speculation, there is confirmation here that Penn State has inquired about interviewing Brennan Marion for the open offensive coordinator spot. Marion is open for the Bros Award, given to the top assistant coach in college football. And there's pros and cons with Brennan Marion being the next Penn State offensive coordinator. We'll start with the pros because you want to get... Doctor, give me the, the good news and then the bad news, right? I'll, I'll, start, I'll start with the good news here. The pros of bringing on Brennan Marion as the next offensive coordinator, and, and I'll hit, this will help lay out his background as a coach too. He has a proven success rate. He's been in a lot of locations, a lot of destinations, but every stop that he's made, he's shown proven success. Let's just take UNLV specifically because this is where he is the full offensive coordinator. He helped lead them to a 9-3 and three team in just one, one season. Now, he's not the head coach, but that offense that held them back a season ago in 2022 when they were 3-5 and five in conference, 5-7 and seven overall, did not make a bowl game. One year later, the offense goes from not so great to uh, one of the better ones in the country. UNLV's offense in 2023 is ranked 40th in terms of total offense. Top 50. That's very impressive for a Mountain West team. So you look at 2022, three and five in conference, now conference championship appearance in one season and one change, right? This wasn't, this didn't take time. He came in right away and they saw success. And then 26 points per game last season, now 35 and a half points per game. That's really impressive. That, that truly is. The second pro of bringing on Marion to Penn State is he's a wide receiver guru. So, okay, what do we all know that Penn State struggled with this season was the production at the wide receiver spot. Penn State's biggest problem on offense this season was wide receivers getting open and making big plays. I feel like teaming up with 
the wide receiver coach already at Penn State, Marcus Higgins, would it would be unfair. I, I really think it would be. Just think about that. Those two two masterminds for the wide receiver position getting together and collaborating like this would make a lot of sense. He played wide receiver in college. Marion did, right? Both both of them, but Marion did as well. And then he was a former wide receiver coach at Hawaii, Pittsburgh, Texas. Those are those are impressive stops. So combine the prep, the practice, the game planning of these two guys together. I think you're going to see a, a lot of success if he's brought in as the OC for Penn State and those two working together. You will get more production out of the wide receivers and the passing game as a result with your five-star quarterback in Drew Aller. And let's look at the tangible part of this rather than the speculation or the thought that this could be successful. At UNLV, leading wide receiver Ricky White was averaging 17.1 yards per catch. That was 55th in the nation and not too far behind Marvin Harrison Jr. A, a third pro here for Brennan Marion to, to coach at Penn State because he's from, he's from Pennsylvania. He's from Greensburg, Pennsylvania. He was born in Virginia, but he's from Pennsylvania. Greensburg Salem High School is his alma mater. And he was the head coach at Waynesboro Area High School in 2014, Central Pennsylvania, right? So he's familiar with the area. I really like familiarity in these instances, as you can tell. So those are a few of the pros, a few of the cons bringing in Brennan Marion, because I, I like this candidate. I do, but I don't know how sold I am on it because of the few of the cons here. Limited head coaching experience, and this depends what direction Penn State wants to go in. Because I think J1 Sider is a legitimate candidate. I think Brandon Marion's a legitimate candidate here. But where does Penn State value head coaching experience? Because James Franklin has said that he wants, that he needs a head coach of recruiting, defense, special teams, wide receivers, you name it. He wants a head coach-like figure at each spot. Well, Brendan Marion doesn't exactly have the head coaching experience. Those And those are James Franklin's words, not mine, as far as, what he wants as the head coach of each position group and each unit. We, we saw how valuable Joe Moorhead's head coaching experience at Fordham came to be when he was the head, when he was the head coach of the offense at Penn state, when he was the offensive coordinator here is James Franklin willing to sacrifice some of his prior, his other priorities to work closely with Marion, because you're, you're going from the mountain West to the big 10. Okay. Marion, Marion has been a head coach. He has been, but only at the high school level and for two consecutive years. One year at one high school, one year at Waynesboro, back to back. And albeit he is only 36, so you can only stack up the resume so much, but he has an impressive resume um, from where he stopped. Like I said, Hawaii, Texas, Pittsburgh, all, all, all along. Uh, the next, next drawback that I have here is because, okay, that resume is getting lengthier and, and there are a lot of impressive accolades there longevity concerns. And I think this is the case with any potential offensive coordinator that Penn State brings in. Are they going to use this as a stepping stone and how long will they actually stick around? We knew this with Manny Diaz. We knew this with Joe Moorhead. Ricky Ronnie saw a head coaching opportunity. There, there's the good and the bad with that. Uh, coordinators leaving because you don't have that consistency, but you want those guys to move on and it will entice coordinators and other assistant coaches to want to come Penn State, to come to Penn State to have that additional success. I understand capitalizing on your worth and moving up, but how long would Brennan Marion actually stay in Happy Valley? I think, like I said, I think that's a concern with any offensive coordinator candidate here, but 
doesn't exactly stay long in one location. It doesn't stick around for, for very often. And this is just this is just on his resume, right? This isn't speculation. He has had a different job every single year since 2011, other than being the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Howard, where he was there for two years. Okay. So it's not like he was there for four or five. He was there for as opposed to one. So just one year at every stop along the way, that's a bit concerning. It is. So is he going to come to Penn State? Do what? One season? Maybe two seasons? I, I would like to think there's a three to five year plan in this case, but who knows? I, I don't know exactly what Marion's interests are. Does he want to be a head coach? Does he see the offensive coordinator spot at Penn State? Does that for maybe five, six, seven years like a Brent Pry, and then moves on to a head coaching spot? That's the ideal. That's the ideal scenario here, but we don't know for sure. And then the final thing is, and maybe it has to do with the fact of Mike Yersich uh, and the lack of success here still lingers and still kind of hurts, is would this offense work in the Big Ten? Well, that's great that it can work at William & Mary. That's great that it can work at Howard. That's great that it can work at Waynesboro High School. And it can work at UNLV in the Mountain West. But would it work in the Big Ten? The Big Ten is already as difficult as it is, right? And now it's expanding in 2024 to add um, not exactly low-caliber programs. You're getting the best of the best from the former Pac-12, UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Washington. They're all joining. How does the offense stack up there? And maybe you want to go in that direction because all those programs have really good offenses. But... We finally, how, we finally realized, okay, Mike Yersich's offense was good in the Big 12, but not exactly the Big 10. And in the Big 12, they don't exactly play any defense. So the Big 10 gave a little bit of a reality check to Mike Yersich's offense. Different story, I get that. And the go-go offense is unique. I'm actually eager to study it a little more and learn about it and what it can be because it's got some interesting wrinkles to why it has been successful every stop of the way. But at some point, is it going to continue to break through the glass ceiling or is there going to be a lid on it? My verdict, I think he's a rising star. I think he's a solid candidate for the job. But if there are better options, Penn State should go in a different direction. It's not that I wouldn't want Brennan Marion, but if you're maybe your first or second choices aren't there and then maybe Brennan Marion, and, and that's the thing, would you choose him? Maybe it's down to J1 Sider and Brennan Marion. Would you, who would you select? I feel like you would have to lean J1 Sider because of that consistency. Would you really want to push Sider to the side to bring in someone? You've been there for five plus years and a newcomer just jumps you on, on right? That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense on the coaching hierarchy. At least that doesn't make any sense to me. However, Penn State could be thinking differently. That is Brennan Marion, UNLV offensive coordinator, and Penn State is legitimately interested in him. The transfer portal, it is transfer portal season. Names are already popping up left and right. Eventually, Penn State will have some of its players uh, own, and then eventually you will also see these players showing interest and vice versa from the Nittany Lions. But I'm not, I'm not here to state names just yet because we're in the early stages of this cycle. However, Penn State should be targeting these specific positions in the transfer portal this offseason. We'll discuss those in just a moment. Well, let's hear from another one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is 
FanDuel, America's number one sports book, and also the official sports book of Locked On. As the weather gets colder, especially here in Pennsylvania, the NFL stay offers stay hot on FanDuel. And right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So all you got to do is bet $5 to win $150. That's $150. Bucks if your team simply wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, overs, unders, and more. Penn State doesn't have a game, but eventually the bowl game will be out, and you can bet those lines at FanDuel. So when to do that, go to visitfanduel.com slash locked on and keep playing along with the NFL season as football continues to heat up. That is fanduel.com slash locked on FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And in this final segment, the transfer portal, like I said, is here. It's not going anywhere, but names as some surprising ones, right? Will Howard out of Kansas State, the, the quarterback going in as a grad transfer, but just some surprising players left and right. And it's only going to get a little more shocking as the rumors have been swirling about the potential of big names going into the portal. But I'm not entirely interested in that just yet. Penn State needs a game plan. Penn State needs a blueprint. And forget the actual players themselves for a moment, figuring out who best fits and who doesn't. I, I want to talk about position need and what positions that Penn State actually needs to be targeting in the transfer portal this offseason. Only a few. I got a top three. The three main positions that Penn State needs to target if they want to continue to be successful in 2024. Wide receiver is an obvious one, and it makes the list, okay? The the lack of success, what, what really should have been in 2023, and, and the wide receivers are somewhat responsible for that. So it's an obvious one. There's the rumor of Marcus Haggins wanting to clean house, basically reinvent the wide receiver room here, and I, and I don't blame him. I, that is why he was brought in to be the head coach of the wide receiver room, to be an architect here. So there's going to be plenty of wide receivers. And we've already seen a name come in from Notre Dame, one from Indiana, Purdue, right? There are a lot of players that are going to be in the transfer portal in Penn State. I, I think you need at least two again. I, I think so. I think you got to go and get at least two. Three would be ideal, but two uh, is the bare minimum that Penn State needs to get if they want to be successful in recruiting wide receivers because you need veterans. Penn State's going to get a healthy dose of young wide receiver talent in this 2024 cycle. But the more the merrier here because the competition just it needs to be a fresh slate under Marcus Higgins, the wide receiver coach. Second position, we'll stick with the offense, and it is the O-line. Not necessarily a need, but a want just because of what ultimately could happen here. You need to create some competition. You need to continue to build depth. But there's the potential here for Penn State to lose possibly four starters on the offensive line. And that's not good because you want to keep Drew Aller upright. I firmly believe in the likes of Anthony Donko and Javen Williams, right? Chimney Ono. There are a lot of young up and coming offensive line. Nick Dawkins, for example, right? The one, the Vanga Yuane, but how, how quickly have they developed? Are they ready to go? We're, we're not entirely sure. So this is an, like I said, it's more of a want. Build the depth, create the competition, maybe get a veteran, another Hunter Norzad-like type of player that's versatile because you're definitely losing Olu Fashionu and Hunter Norzad, but you could also potentially lose Sal Wormley and Caden Wallace. Those guys have eligibility, Wormley and Wallace, but do they still want to play college football or do they want to try their chance at the NFL? So 
four starters on the offensive line. You have J.B. Nelson coming back and, and more or less a co-starter, a good rotational guy in Vanga Yuane. Okay, that solves those two problems. Nick Dawkins at center, but the tackle, Drew Shelton, okay. Uh, and then, so just like I said, it, it helps when you have the depth. Penn State had one of its deepest offensive lines this season, and the depth proved to have paid off when some of those guys were banged up, had the bumps and bruises. The final one, same, same case here, but we're going to flip it over to the defense. The defensive backfield, cornerback. Uh, there is a chance that, like the offensive line, Penn State could lose a majority of its starters here, possibly all three. Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy could all try their hands at the NFL. Now, Kalen King is the youngest of them, but do you want to capitalize on your draft stock that now puts you as a second round or a third round pick? How about Johnny Dixon, who had the best season of his career, definitely played his way into a draft spot. Same thing with Daquan Hardy. Both of those guys in terms of coverage and Hardy adding the special teams aspect to it as well. All those guys are probably going to want to capitalize or at least see how interested NFL teams are. They'll talk with scouts and everything and get a realistic evaluation of where they would land and what the NFL actually thinks of them. There's a chance that all three could come back. Okay, then this one doesn't become a need. But if all three decide to exit, honestly, even if two, even one of them, if, if any one of the three decides to go off to the NFL, I got to think that Penn State's still looking in the transfer portal here because you lose that veteran experience. Cam, Cam Miller's your only veteran in the room, and it's no disrespect to King Mack, Zion Tracy. Those are still younger guys. Elliot Washington, right? But Penn State is going to lose that those fourth, fifth-year veterans that were really good to them on defense this season. A grad transfer of some sort would make a lot of sense here. It would be significant for Penn State. But that's, that's easier said than done, right? You need to get the right guy. Because we saw how Storm Duck worked out. He came in, he lost the competition, lost the battle, and then he was back in the transfer portal to, to go to Louisville. Hope, hope it all worked out for him. But that's how good Johnny Dixon was. And, and that's my point. If you happen to lose Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, and Daquan Hardy this offseason, you cornerback instantly becomes a top priority in the transfer portal alongside wide receiver because then both the passing offense and the passing defense um, may may or may not be a headache. Let's just say that. That'll do it for this edition of Locked On Nittany Lines. I appreciate everyone checking out the show, checking out the episode. Help out the channel, become an everyday or subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lines on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Let me know in the comments what you think about Manny Diaz staying or going, the offensive coordinator search as it continues on, and the transfer portal. Eventually, it'll be talking about the impact of the names leaving but also the ones coming to Happy Valley. Can't wait to discuss it all right here on Locked On Nittany Lions.